The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to NASCAR American Splash and Go. We've got Tyler Reddick with us today, coming off a huge week uh, at Texas congratulations man are you still kind of flying a little high from that uh i mean well i guess i guess not exactly um it was very exciting for for the organization uh everyone part of ecr as well you know it's been a long time since we've they've had a one two since 2011 and um you know it's cool to be a part of it selfishly i wish i would have been the one um taking rcr to victory lane but it was cool to see austin do it he's more than paid his dues over there at rcr and it's really cool to see I think it's it's starting to show that the speed in the cars are there. Um, just taking advantage of some track position, taking advantage of some, some strategy calling, uh, played into our strengths, and it really showed that our cars had the speed even on the older tires to be able, be able to hold off the, the guys on four fresh tires there. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, so I, I want to get to that a little bit. Yeah, you, you know, obviously uh, coming out of the Xfinity Series, um, you won the championship your rookie year. With Randall Burnett at, at Childress Racing, you win the championship the next year. They move that whole team up. Um, how much confidence has that carried into this year with Randall? And the reason I say that is that is a veteran move. No tires, staying out, putting it in the driver's hands. Uh, he put it in your hands, and you carried the ball. And, and, and you get that with a working relationship with a crew chief and with a team, and that confidence becomes – uh, begins to build how much of that dates back to the Xfinity series with Randall uh, from it all the way back to day one uh, when we I remember my first practice session at Daytona with uh, with Randall in the Xfinity car and we had really good single car speed or, or excuse me we had really good handling in the draft but after we got done and I felt like man you know we really carved it up out there the, the handling's good he was like well we're gonna go out there and sit on the pole too and I was like ah that's not how this works but he proved me wrong. We have a fast car and it would handle good. And he promised me that it would. So from day one for me, uh, the trust has been there. We, we share a lot of similarities, uh, our backgrounds, what we, what our roots were, if you will. We both came from dirt racing. We both spent a lot of time in the Midwest with a passion for dirt late model racing. So, you know, we, we just hit it off right away really quick and uh, just stay out there. It was a call that I was prepared for, for anything, you know, whatever we could do to get some track position. Uh, it was a great call nonetheless, but still, you know, we saw how Kentucky was uh, with not a lot of tire fall off a very similar tire combination going to Texas, if not exactly the same. So we kind of had a, a little bit of a, a lead in to understanding it was going to kind of be that, that way. Hey, I, I want to go back to, to Texas here and, and you, you talk about tire fall, fall off. 
At one time, you got the lucky dog, right? Yeah, I was almost, I was two laps down at one point. Yes. So my, yeah. my, my question is, how do you not, when you're, when you're one lap down, when you're two laps down, I mean, it's almost like you've been exiled to the infield somewhere. Yeah. You're out of the race. How do you not give up and, and just keep plugging and then make something out of it? Well, in the very beginning of the race, our car was really good. Uh, the Cattle and Gas Chevrolet had really, really good speed, honestly. It was just a matter of working our way through the field, getting some spots on restarts and whatnot. You know, we, we used a, a very similar strategy call to uh, get fourth. We had a shot at third there holding off Harvick. It just didn't pan out. We got fourth in the first stage by taking fuel only. And we've gotten up to like seventh or eighth before that green flag cycle. So we knew the speed was there in the car. In an effort to keep that track position, we elect or Randall elected. I could say we. I I, I was on board with it. We we <laughs> took right side tires, and it was like, it was unreal how slow we were. I mean, we lost a lap and a half just purely on on lack of speed, and then fell down. Uh, you know, another lap there once we pitted early and got back on forced fresh tires. Uh, the speed was magically right back, as crazy as that sounds. And from there, it was just a matter of catching brakes, not giving up because we knew. Uh, with clean air, uh, you know, racing around really good cars that we had the speed that they did. It was just a matter of getting that position back, uh, getting those laps back. Talked to Christopher Bell last week, just on a, on a side note, on a different deal. And we were just talking about the transition from Xfinity racing and Xfinity cars to cup cars and cup racing in the gap. How have you found that gap? Uh, was it big? Was it small? Has the transition been easy? Has it been Harder than expected. What has that transition been like for you? The transition's been very interesting and is, hasn't been crazy, but definitely having no practice has made it more challenging at times. I think the things that, as an Xfinity driver, that you really got to clean up is your pit road, your efficiencies on your in-lap, your out-lap, and rolling time uh, on pit road itself, getting in and out of the box, all that stuff. You got to really tighten that up because the guys like Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, I could go down the list. They make up seconds on some of the more inexperienced drivers in the truck series and the Xfinity series when they want to run those races. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We interviewed Richard when the race was over with, uh, and he refers to you as, as, and he referred to you as his little Kel Yarborough. And that, to me, is a huge compliment. And I'm not sure you know but a huge compliment. Kale just kept his head down, drove as hard as he could every single lap and made something out of nothing. A lot of times um, you're on a little bit of a streak right now with, with, with top tens going back to Kansas. You had a top 10 there uh, when we were there last May uh, mile and a half racetrack seemed to be your wheelhouse. Um, and, and so for, for headed into that place coming off of Texas, 
the compliment that Richard paid you, uh, being KO. How do you how do you approach this weekend headed there? Uh, we're taking a car that we ran at, at Homestead Miami and had really good pace with there. Uh, it's not Homestead. It's not some of these other route racetracks, but it has progressive banking. You can get up and run by the fence. So we're hoping to bring you know that same same kind of of body to to Kansas, but just some of the things in our set to accommodate for the different kind of racetrack and shape of racetrack that Kansas is in contrast to Homestead. But uh, to get that compliment is huge. I've actually, Richard's, Richard's used that reference a few times. Uh, you know, there's been a couple races where we, it's kind of played out that way on the Xfinity side when you're able to bounce back from just crazy happenings coming laps down like at Bristol and winning. Um, so it's always really nice to be compared to a guy like Kelly Yarborough. I mean, like you said, I mean, he knew how to get every single ounce out of a race car and it makes something out of nothing at times. So one other cool part about that for me is, you know, my favorite number growing up and the number I drove growing up dirt racing was the 11 and that was Kill's number for a good amount of years he raced. So it's cool to to have that comparison, especially with the number thrown in there too. All right. Well, some of my, some of my worst memories are of Kale Stennon in victory lane looking like he had just come through fire um, because he had beat my dad somewhere uh, and we wanted to win and, and to watch him drive that number 11 Bush car all those years for, for, for junior and them. But I, I go back to this weekend. It was incredibly hot, man. Incredibly hot at, at, at Texas. Uh, we saw 140 plus temperatures inside the car. You guys have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and guess what? You're back in a car on Thursday. How was, how is, was the heat in Texas? How's the recovery been? And is it enough time to have two or three days to recover between these races? Cause Kansas can be hot also. Yeah, there's, there's enough time. And, uh, you know, I, I messed up, uh, going into Texas a little bit. I was outside playing around the heat, um, cutting grass, maintenancing some things. And, uh, I was drinking enough water probably to stay hydrated perf- as, as, as well hydrated as I could if I would have been inside. Um, but you just got to really keep up. It's it's humid in North Carolina. Uh, so you're kind of used to the heat, but you just got to remember the important part is keeping hydrated. Uh, for me, the heat itself didn't necessarily bother me at Texas. I just didn't do a good job of stretching my back out before the race. And lap one to like lap 70 or 80, my back was really tight. And if something's bothering your car, whether it's a muscle that's tightened up or whatever, it really distracts you and drains you quicker than you would be if you were hundred percent comfortable. So it took, it took a while, it took about a bottle of fluids to finally loosen that back up and getting moved around, warmed up, trying to twist it around. Uh, and then I was okay. Uh, but you definitely can fall behind really easy when it's, you know, 140 plus in those race cars, uh, as hot as it is, it's already very uncomfortable. And if other things are added up to it, it can really set you back and, and drain you faster than you, you expect. All right, let's talk playoffs. You guys, been hovering right there at that cutoff position and wouldn't you know it over the last two weeks um cole and and now austin um have won jumped up into the playoffs and that changes that bubble that changes that that position how does it change the way that you race or do you just go after the w and that's what it's all about uh, but i mean there's got to be that balance there and and guys when they jump over you kind of tease you off a little bit um, so how does that change the people you're racing with and how you race? Well, it just goes to show you can't leave any, any opportunity on the table. Uh, I think back to, to, to Kentucky for us and even, even Austin Dillon, uh, you know, we were both in position there to take advantage of, of what happened there. Uh, but we just, one little misstep throughout the race is enough to take us out of that, um, out of that situation for Austin it was spinning after missing pit road and, and catching the break and then hitting the, the outside wall and damaging his car. 
he was right there with Custer at that point of the race and very well could have been Austin's race to win at Kentucky too. So when you think about those things and you're in those similar positions, similar strategies, we had very similar pace to Cola, Kentucky. You got to just execute and take advantage of every single race that plays out uh, in those manners that can benefit your team. So for me, it's going to, we're just going to continue to push our effort and in, in running good going after those stage points uh, and trying to just stay up in it all day long. I mean, we, we, we had a really good first stage at Texas. We got stage points we wanted. We were in an effort to stay after them. We were trying to keep track position and made a few mistakes, but we're going to a place like Kansas. There's a small amount of fall off. You can move around the racetrack. So we're going to try and win these races, but we got to be aware that when we're in position to win, we can't necessarily go all or nothing. Uh, if we can't win the race, we've got to finish. We've got to try and finish in the top five. If we have an opportunity to, to do so and really collect those points in case we don't win and in case more guys like Custer and Austin, you know, that we're racing around win and lock themselves in. So being 16th at Daytona is not going to be a comfortable spot to be in. We're going to want to be 14th or 15th or have that win. All right. You, you bring up Daytona and NASCAR just announced no more practice the rest of the year. You're a rookie. Uh, we're going to Daytona to a road course. Uh, yeah. These guys have never done that before. We were, we were talking about it a little bit before we started doing this flash and go, but how does that change this year for you? And going into Daytona, what's that going to be like? It's going to be interesting. It's another race where um, I feel like, you know, uh, one driver I think is going to have advantages, Cal Bush, but, you know, he's ahead of us right now in points currently. So, I mean, I, I always expect Kyle to do good. It's been a little bit of an off year for him, obviously, and it's been frustrating for some of those guys that are used to having that practice time to dial their car in. But for me, I'm, I'm okay that we're not going to have practice just because it seems like once more level playing field, when we go to new tracks or, or run something other, other drivers haven't ran before, uh, you know, I, I feel like, or when it's a new package too, I feel like everyone's kind of reset and they have to all start over. So I'm hoping just that in itself without practice, we hit the marks and we will have a better run than, than we would have if we were going to Watkins Glen or, or, or Sonoma, where a lot of these cup guys have lots and lots, lots of laps. Um, and a lot of notes under their book. Uh, when you go to a place like this, not a lot of people do, uh, especially in a cup car or a stock car in general. And I hope that plays into our advantage. I think it, I think it could. All right, man. Well, thanks for joining us here uh, on this Splash and Go. And more importantly, thank you for a tour of your home from the front part. Yeah, I was about to mention that. Back. Yeah, from front to back. Yeah, I was all over Front to back. That made it special, man. We've never done it before, so thanks. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.